My name is Gianni Russo, a.k.a. Carlo, the infamous son-in-law from The Godfather. I'm now known as the Hollywood Godfather, and this is my story. Welcome, everybody. Time for another Hollywood Godfather podcast. And as we promised you last week, and the stories, I've been thinking about it all week. I can't wait to talk to the guy again. I just love his name because Mitchum was a, 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 an icon in our house because my mother was in love with Robert Mitchum. Then he told me he was named after him. So let's introduce Jeannie back first, always women. Pat. Hey, everyone. Uh, well, well, everybody. Hello, everybody. And our guest, Jeannie, your guest. Would you make the introduction, please? Well, we are welcoming back my dear friend, uh, Mitchum. I, he's, he's famous as Mitchum. We don't even need the whole name. Okay. <laughs> How are you, thank Mitchum? Hi, thank you. Good to be back with you again. No, thank you, man. It's great stories. Let's continue them, please. I've been waiting all week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, Mitchum. So we were talking about... When we left off, we were talking about you being wrongfully convicted of killing your wife, Grace. Uh, so you spent some time in prison. So what? tell us about the prisons that you, were you in the same one the whole time or did they move you? No, I, I was in, uh, let's see, Jackson, Reesville, Carroll County, four prisons. Uh, I went to four prisons. But uh, let me tell you what happened after I was sentenced to life. Uh, this is a big part of the story. Uh, that was in January of 1975. So the, the sheriff, he was a new sheriff. Uh, his name, I can say his name, he was, he was well known. He's passed on now, God bless him. Uh, his name was Lynn Garner. And the guy liked me, he really tried to help me. Uh, but he was in, he, he got elected to clean up Floyd County with the corruption officials. So they hated him and he hated them. So I'm in jail, sentenced to life, and he puts me on the runaround. The runaround was uh, where you wasn't locked up all day. You worked around in the jail and run errands and stuff like that. Well, the judge that sentenced me found out about that. And uh, he, he was mad. He told the sheriff he wanted me locked up. Sheriff told him, said, you run the jail, you run the courthouse, I'll run the jail. And so that started a political war in which I ended up in the middle of that war uh, with them. But the sheriff, he, <laughs> he was cool, though. He, uh, so the, he put me on third shift so the judge wouldn't see me during the day. And so I'm working in the kitchen stuff around third shift. So I'm sleeping. Well, this was in April, so my mother and my and my pop and my sister come to the jail, and with them is the youngest of the two daughters of Grace's daughter, and uh, they 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 wake me up and bring me down to the to meet with them, and the daughter asked me could I forgive her that she had lied at my trial. And, uh, you know, what do you say? Well, sure. Oh, I, I'm thinking now, okay, lied. Maybe this will get us something done. What exactly so, did she say? She just said she had lied. That I, that she, what? That, that he had she, killed his mom? Had, that I had killed her, her mother. She said, I lied on the, on the stand when I said you, you shot and killed my mother. 
but she didn't go into all the other details about it. She it, that was just that's where she was at that time. So How think, was she at that time? She was just a teenager herself, fifteen years old, probably. Uh, no, I'm talking so, at the time. She said that on the trial. How old was she? Uh, 14 or 15. And now she's what, 19, 20? No, this is just, this is the same year. Of oh, seven, still. Okay. Well, in fact, she just turned, that was her birthday that in April, she just turned 15. Oh, wow. Okay. When she came and admitted uh, that she had lied. So, I and just just for our audience and, and myself and the other host, why wasn't that enough to overturn the whole trial? You would think so. Uh, I've I've already been sentenced to life. The prison system had not picked me up yet. They wasn't due to pick me up for uh, later, but after she came to the jail that day. And they brought me down, and uh, then the then the next morning, the prison system came and got me, which is Jackson, Georgia, Jackson Prison. That's the diagnostic center. That's where you go to to determine where they can use you in the prison system. Now this is a this is a roller coaster, man. I'm th I'm thinking, okay, maybe I got a shot of at least making a bond, and maybe can find a doctor that can help me get my head straightened out. Well, I, I tell you, uh, Mitch, as far as what, what the law states, and this is uh, endemic with all with all criminal law, just because she said that she lied isn't enough. OK, right. she's going to have to be willing to uh, to testify to that if they grant you a new trial. And so it's an if because where you lived, everything was politics. So yeah. unless you can get on the stand and uh, it would help if there was some supporting evidence, like she told somebody else. At the time, I went to court and I lied, and that person testifies too. But it's very, very difficult to overturn a conviction unless there's new evidence. That's not new evidence. That's an utterance. It's a whole different ballgame here. But let me ask no. you this. Did, at that time, did you have a new attorney? No. No. I uh, Like I said, the, the day she did that was in April. Yeah. Then the, the very next day, the penitentiary picked me up and carried me to Jackson. Then when I went to Jackson, I'm cut off. I can't make phone calls. I can't see my family. I don't know what's happening. Uh, and then two weeks later, I'm shipped to Reedsville Penitentiary, which at that time was the worst penitentiary in the United States, the most dangerous penitentiary in the United States, Reedsville Penitentiary. I saw a man die the day I got there. I could do stories on that place for a long time. So after I got to Reedsville, my sister came, was able to come there and have me sign the papers to take out perjury warrants for the girls, yeah. which, which we did. So she was arrested. But then what the DA did and what the judge did, now it's 1976 by this time. So, uh, no, it's still 75. Anyway, so what they do, they go to the girl and say, it's a Georgia law that if you commit perjury, whatever sentence you cause that person to get, you're going to get the same sentence. Well, that was a Georgia wow. law, but it didn't apply to her because she was a juvenile. 
So they scared her. They said, okay, here's what you do. You sign a, you sign this confession that you lied when you said you lied, when you told the sheriff that you lied. We'll change it to false swearing. Time served. Let her go. And that's what happened. She, oh. the, the, the perjury warrants never made it to the grand jury. Uh, had it made what's, your lawyer, what's your lawyer doing all this time? He didn't Dead. have one. Getting drunk. <laughs> he died. Oh, that lawyer, that day I was sentenced to life, he came to the jail and told me that I was getting what I deserved for being involved with such people. <laughs> <laughs> what that this lawyer didn't know, he came real close to cashing in right then. But anyway. Uh, but you he didn't. Died. But you didn't have a, a new attorney? Well, we get a new attorney. So my family start trying to raise some money. My sister, God rest her soul, she she did everything she could do. Uh, I get a little bit emotional when I talk about her. Well, of course. Uh, what she, was her uh, name? Uh, Beatrice. Her brothers, we all called her Beatty. That's right. And she came to court every day and took short, I mean, just wrote every word that. that they, they, they threatened to put her in jail. Uh, they, they hated her. They hated her. They didn't want her taking any notes. Well, let's see, where was it? The, uh, oh, yeah. They, so they raised some money and they hire a lawyer from out of town, another county over Bartow County, a guy named Jerry White. So he says, yeah, I'll take the case. For five thousand uh, dollars, I believe it was, and I'll file a first extraordinary motion for a new trial on the grounds of perjury. So he said, "I'm thinking about running for judge over here." Well, I meet him. He comes to he comes to the prison, and and I barely do remember him. And I've got a tape of him and the district attorney questioning this girl. You can't tell which one is the district attorney and which one is the lawyer. I mean, they sound alike. And the, the guy, uh, so anyway, he, he got the extraordinary motion filed. The judge denied it and said, well, that one may have lied, but there's still the other one that said she saw it too and, and denied the, the hearing. So everything we did was blocked by this judge. So then, uh, man, I'm in Reesville. I'm in Reesville. If you ever see the movie The Longest Yard with Burt Reynolds, it was sure. filmed on location in Reesville. You can see uh, the prison, the outside of the prison. We called it the White Elephant because it could crush it. Uh, and we're in the outside scenes in the yard where they're playing football. You can see the dormitory I was in. Now. This was 1975 when I arrived there, and they had just integrated. So I was put in a dormitory with that was built for 50 men, but they were over 100. We were three bunks high. So the prisoners ran the dormitory. There was two black guys that, that ran the dormitory, and they were me and two other guys arrived at the same time. And both of them were named Ed. It was like Ed and his brother Ed. Uh, <laughs> The one of the brother is was dumb as a rock. He was he had uh, he was about to get out and he escaped. So I thought, man, you deserve to be here. 
Well, not really. But anyway, so he calls us up and he raises his mattress and he shows us the shanks and the knives and the, all the stuff. And he said, if you guys like to fight, go ahead and catch another dormitory. I said, man, I, all I want to do is get through here. Uh, one thing I had going for me in prison was street smarts. And the other thing I had going for me, I was never prejudiced. Never was I prejudiced. I had some wonderful friends. Remember, I delivered liquor to these black shot houses and bootleggers and people in Detroit. So that helped me uh, in Reedsville. So uh, I, I was put out on a, you go out on the, do I want to go into, do y'all want me to go into this or would to go somewhere else? Interesting stuff. Okay. So when you go, when you go to Reedsville, uh, you, you are, a num- you just become a number, forget your name, you're a number. Uh, and then you have to go out on an outside detail for six months. Now, keep in mind, I've been in jail since August the 13th. And I mean, I look like a Casper, the little ghost, uh, pale. And, um, so you, you line up in pairs and you go out there. Walking boss comes by and says, uh, calls your number. You say, check it. He counts you. Then you're standing under these gun towers. Then you go out between the fences and you still ain't out of the prison yet. He counts you again. Then you go out and there's a bus with all the seats out and you pack in that bus like sardines. There's a cage in the front of the bus for the driver and the walking boss. Uh, He's up there. Then there's a pickup truck follows you with two guards on the back, a driver, machine gun, and shotgun. They take you out to wherever you're going to work that day. Well, we go out where they've been digging stumps in the swamps and um, clearing land. So we put two men to a stump. And I'm in bad shape. This old boy that paired me up with, he understood. He said, he said, just wing it, man. And, uh, so we, we get a stump almost ready to come up. We'd have to, we'd want to hold that thing up because we didn't want it falling over yet. We didn't want to start on another stump. And <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't ready to start on another stump. So I, uh, I was out there six months and the, the, the two black guys, one of them was named Ironhead. He'd been shot in the head with a 357 Magnum. <laughs> and he had an iron plate in his head. Oh. Guy was short, but he didn't need to have to learn. I mean, he didn't have to worry about using his fist. He'd use his head. He could kill oh. you with it. So there was a houseman job coming open, right? Well, you gotta you gotta stay out there six months in order to get another job. I didn't want to go into industrial. I didn't want to go where they make tags. And I sure didn't want to work in the kitchen because in the kitchen, they would take us back uh, during the day to the industrial mess hall. And they had a, a dish called hoghead stew. They put the whole hoghead in the stew. I'm talking about, you could see eyeballs and teeth. It was terrible. Hey, Gianni, excuse me a second. Gianni. Yeah. You're a very good cook. Can can you, like, whip up some hogshead parmesan for me? This guy's guy's making me hungry. Do you want the eyes? Oh, my gosh. I don't eat meat. I don't eat meat, not because I have a moral, uh, I'm not, 
don't have any moral issues. It just grosses me out. And when you said, I didn't want to go work in the kitchen, I'm like, you and me both, man. I don't want to work in the kitchen at all either. Now, I say, uh, there's no way. Yeah, Gianni, I'm going to hold you to that to the hogshead parmesan dish, man. Wait a minute. You know, we, I mean, I don't want to sound like a cannibal, but we used to make gabuzel, which are lamb's heads. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it had the eyes and everything in it. And oh, my, that's, that's what my grandfather used to fight over who's got any eyes. Oh, God, you're <laughs> killing me. You're killing me. Oh. We got Brussel. It was great with red crumb and parsley, oil and garlic. They're talking about eyes. I don't want to get off the subject. This is just an aside. It's just, I just thought okay. of, I had a friend of mine. His name was Eddie Matuzic. He had a he had one one artificial eye. He lost it when he was a kid. So we went at it, and he wasn't very bright. Anyway, we were at a party. There was like a, a buffet, uh, some catering thing. I mean, we were we were teenagers, and uh, somebody told him to keep his eye on the roast beef. Oh no! <laughs> he takes his takes his eye out and puts it on the roast beef. <laughs> anyway, that's a little. Uh, we're, we're, we're into injecting a little humor here. <laughs> anyway, I don't know why, but we are. <laughs> okay, Mitch. Sorry to interrupt. This stuff is fascinating. I, I, oh. Uh, no more carcass. No more heads. No more head. Uh, Should we go to a commercial while we're here? <laughs> oh, good uh, idea. Yeah, well, let's go to a okay. commercial. <laughs> while, while we take our laughing break, we'll be right back. <laughs> I'm now known as the Hollywood Godfather, and this is my story. I'm happy to say, Hollywood Godfather Rapography is now playing on most platforms. Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Music. Listen to Joel Ortiz, famous rapper, and Arsenic the Heat record, multi-platinum producer for Sony. Produce this record. I'm proud of it. There's 12 tracks. You got to listen to this. You never know who you're lying in a room with So I broke a broomstick in half and let it groove with The concrete in the bathroom floor It had a new tip stashed it behind the toilet In case I ever had to use it All right, we're back All right All right Okay, uh, <laughs> so there you are Well, let me ask you, how long did you stay in that prison? Well, uh, I was supposed to be there five years Before I was eligible for transfer And that's a story there. How I got out. I, I I transferred a year later to uh, another prison. But I got to I got to tell you how that happened. Please, yeah. Okay. So in in prison, you have to be careful who you buddy up with. I mean, he may be a good old boy, but he, he his enemies are going to become your enemies uh, if you buddy up. So you had to be real careful. But then on the other hand, you couldn't act like you were better than anybody. So I stayed out on that detail an extra month uh, than I was supposed to because I wanted to get a job that was coming up. It was a houseman job. And so the, the two guys at Ironhead and the other guy, they they put me in for that job. So I got it. And the good part about being uh, working as a houseman, uh, once all the details went out, man, it was quiet. The, one of the worst things about prison was the noise. And so to get a little bit of quietness was, was, was priceless. So uh, that was the job I had. In the meantime, there was a, a guy that came there. Actually, he was supposed to come there because he was, uh, he was from Rome and um, 
he played a piano. He was uh, could play the real good piano, and he played at a lot of churches and things like that. But his girlfriend um, was underage, and uh, uh, he got charged for that. And normally, they don't put anybody that's an informer or an ex-policeman or anybody with uh, that kind of charge. They wouldn't come to the prison I was in. They'd go to a called a catch-up count on further south in uh, Georgia, Waycross, Georgia. But anyway, there he was, and uh, I thought, man, this old boy ain't gonna—he ain't gonna get out of here alive. Come he on. was a good, and uh, I kind of just because he was from Rome, I said, listen, man, here's what you do: if you're going to go into the mess hall, I don't care what you see. You put your head against that wall and you keep moving. You don't look in that direction. If you see somebody getting stabbed, cut, whatever you see, don't look and don't say nothing. And um, so he, (laughs) next thing I knew, he was gone. He got transferred. And my sister had sent a letter to me saying, look, put in for, uh, she said, as an act of faith, put in for a transfer. I said, I can't transfer out of here. She said, do it anyway. Well, the only way you could transfer would be before that five years was up if you had a warden at another prison requesting. First of all, let me let me tell you this part. When I got to Jackson, where they see what kind of work you can do in the prison, and I wasn't in a good mood when I got there because this, uh, you know, they just transferred me uh, from the jail to there. So I told this guy, I said, look, I ran beer joints. I ran moonshine. I ran package stores. I've been in that business all my life. He said, we don't have any openings for any of that in the state prison. So we're going to send you to Regal. (laughs) That's how I ended up in Regal. But uh, so this old boy, he gets transferred uh, to Carroll County Prison. Well, Carroll County, compared to Regal, if you see the movie Cool Hand Luke, Oh, Paul Newman, that was a road gang camp. And it was kind of like the movie Cool Hand Luke. So the guy that I had kind of protected, he got transferred there. Well, he became the warden secretary. So my sister went there, talked to him, and he was sending letters to Reedsville as the warden to request me to get transferred to Carroll County. Oh, wow. He signed the warden's name to a letter. Do what? He signed the warden's name to a letter? The warden's, uh, 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 what's the statue of limited? Well, they're all gone now anyway. So he, he, was able, <laughs> he was able to make it happen. Let me put it that way. Uh, and, uh, so one day they just come and tell me, said, you leaving here in the morning. And, uh, so I stayed awake all night. I, I had my I had my bag packed, but you when you're transferring out of there, I seen people who were going to get out of there, and somebody would try to start something with them. Oh. So you know, get in a fight or something like that. I stood guard all night long, awake. I mean, I didn't sleep. They put me on that Bluebird bus the next day, and I didn't look back. Uh, we get to Carroll County. It's like a resort compared to regional. I mean, there's a kitchen with mustard and ketchup and salt and pepper and all that on the tables. 
uh, uh, and they and they put me to work in the kitchen. Now that's this is different than the kitchen in Regional. I don't mind this kitchen. Uh, of course, I didn't know anything about it, but there was a uh, the kitchen people lived downstairs in a in a a, a cell down there, uh, real small, because we had to get up at three thirty in the morning to start cooking stuff. The one thing they did at this prison, they fed the people good. I mean, they they fed them good. They had their own uh, beef. They had their own uh, uh, farm there. Good food, everything. But in that same cell that we had to live in, because we had to get up at 3.30, there was another guy that had to live in there because he was a dog boy. A dog boy was a person who trained the dogs and if a prisoner escaped he helped run them down with the dogs and he was hated he didn't live in population all this guy knew i'm coming out of reachable hell on earth and i'm a convicted murderer so he just just decides he's going to get me first before i get him now i just got off the bus i'm walking through there and this guy has a an axe handle and swings it at me. I mean, he liked to knock my head off. They had to grab him and uh, uh, get him away. And I thought, man, uh, I, this is all I need is to have a fight before I can even get unpacked. So uh, anyway, he, he ended up chilling out and uh, he became, well, we had to live together. Let me put it this way. Everybody had to get along. But uh, they had a guard there, and they called him. His name was Boss John. He had one eye. Supposedly, a, a prisoner had put his eye out and, uh, in a fight. And they told me, said, now, Boss John is going to cuss you out. You might as well get ready for it. So I'm tiptoeing around. There, okay, man, I'm, I'm going to get around Boss, Boss John. So one day he gets me. He cussed me, and I've been, I, I was raised in beer joints around. I've heard everything here, I thought. He cussed me bad. But the way he would do, he would come back. He, could, he wouldn't just say, I'm sorry. I, I still have my driving license. When I got there, I still had my driving license. When they, in, my, in my stuff, they gave me my stuff back, and my driving license had not expired. I had a chauffeur's license. Because I drove with trucks. Uh, now they call it something else. Uh, you have to have a different type of license. So anyway, the state trooper's office was next door. Well, first of all, when they got me there, they had to change my security to uh, to uh, a, uh, uh, had turned me into a trustee, statewide trustee. I got to be statewide trustee and was not maximum security. So Boss John would cuss me out, and uh, then he'd come and say, uh, you want to go to Wendy's, get you a Frosty? Well, I, I love you. Know, so I drive us to town and go through Wendy's, and get a hamburger and a Frosty. I got to be about as big as old boss John. Because <laughs> <laughs> he cut me out a lot. So I got to go to Fro get the Wendy's a lot to get Frosties. <laughs> uh, uh, let me ask you something about your, 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 your sense. Was this life? With parole? Uh, yeah, I was eligible for parole in seven years. Uh, uh, that was a law. But normally you don't make it 
uh, in the first seven years. You, you got to do more than that to make it. Okay, made how, it. What what started the, the, the ball uh, rolling with you getting exonerated? After I got out of prison, uh, I was in Carroll County. Uh, we went through a uh, filed a second extraordinary motion with a new lawyer. Oh, hold on. Uh, I'm, I'm confused a little. I thought you got sprung out of jail. You did your time. I did. I did the time, but before time? before the seven years before I was eligible for parole, I I was transferred from that prison to Floyd County, Rome, Georgia, to this prison up here. So, how much total time did you do? Seven years. Okay. Seven years, but I did nine years on parole. Okay. So, uh, once I made parole. Uh, well, I, first of all, I transferred. Can I go back to Carroll County just a minute? I, I haven't seen my folks since I've been gone. Carroll County had great visiting area. You could visit with your family outside on the yard. And so I got to see my folks for the first time and uh, since I've been gone. And how many is that? Six, six seven years? Uh, no, when I got to Carroll County, I've been gone since uh, I've been in jail since 74. So this now 76. Uh, it's been it's been about two years or so since I'd seen my folks. They right. couldn't make it to regional. It was too far. Right. So I got to see them at that prison. And my pop was uh, uh, he was he was sick. He was uh, having a lot of issues. So I was at that prison for. Uh, I think till 78 or nine, a few years I was there. A lot of stories there. But then uh, then they opened up the Floyd County camp. And, and once I made statewide trusted, at that time, you could go home two, three times a year for a three-day pass if you folks picked you up and had you back at a certain time. Wow. So, that was a that was a great. They don't have that anymore, but at that time it was it was good. And uh, so then I get transferred to Rome, uh, and I'm in I'm in I'm at the Rome prison now. And uh, you want to continue with this? Well, how did you uh, after 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 you got out? What who started the uh, the process to exonerate you? How did that? How did that come about? When I got out, uh, first of all, I made parole, and uh, I never met with a parole board. I, I'm going to have to go back to yeah, 19, sure. 1981 when the Georgia Bureau of Investigation came to Rome, Georgia, and talked to a, a Floyd County detective. He's deceased, and they told him they had an informer who told them that I was not in the house the night she was killed, that I was not there. Oh, that's he great. Was in the office and told me this. Well, I thought, great. Maybe these folks are going to do something. Well, it's 1981. I'm going to be coming up parole in August. I never heard back from them. They did not come back. They had arrested Bo Salmon, the guy who did the murder. They had charged a, a, a him with the, uh, killing the kid up in Chatsworth, Georgia. And they told the detective that they believed he had killed as many as eight or nine other people after he killed her. Uh, so I thought they would do something to help me. Well, 
he had married her daughter at that time. They had married. They'd been married a long time by then. So she goes to a GBI agent. I talked to him later, and she volunteered to become a witness for them against the man who hired them, that hired him to kill the guy he got caught for. Are y'all still with me? Yeah. They put her in a witness protection program. And when that happened, they could not reopen my case because they needed her as a witness. If they had reopened my case, they were going to have to charge her too. So they chose not to, they chose to put me on the back burner, I guess, but they did go to the pardon parole board. We believe this is what happened. They went to the pardon parole board and said, look, the guy's innocent. Just let him go. Well, basically, that's what they did. They let me go, and I didn't look back. Yeah. I ran, and I got out of there. I don't blame you. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, How man, old I was Bo Salmon? Uh, that he time. 20-ish or? Uh, he was in he was in his thirties when he killed Grace. You know, they were all they probably thirties. I'm not sure. Uh, so uh, when they let me out, now keep in mind I had not met with a pardon and parole board. I'd not met with a parole agents, uh, uh, anybody. They just let me go. But I did meet with a. I ended up meeting with a parole officer after I got out. You were living with your parents at that time, or your sister? Uh, my pop had died while I was in 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 prison. Uh, he he died. Uh, my mother had a little home up in the north part of town, and uh, so I, I went there. Okay. Uh, my mother's place. And I had a you know you got to have a place to go, so I had a place to go. So I'm trying to get back on my feet and and trying to get the ball rolling again, but I I got a job. Uh, at a uh, office supply dealer, and um, uh, they put me to work there delivering office supplies. Now I go from the '60s and high-powered automobiles running liquor. Now I'm driving a little Ford Pinto station wagon, four-cylinder, and I'm delivering cash register ribbons and office <laughs> supplies. <laughs> yeah, but you're a free man. That's good. Yeah, who cares? Yeah, I ain't complaining. I like that little Pinto. In fact, I started buying them when they would uh, when they get ready to retire. I'd buy them and then sell them. Uh, so I, I I did that. But so the parole officer, uh, the first one, he he's now a judge in another county. So I got a new parole officer. Well, this guy was uh, he was he was all of them were good to me. He uh, he didn't bother me. But the place I worked at, the boss's daughter, he liked her. And he wanted me to try to get him a date with the boss's daughter. The <laughs> boss's daughter. This story don't end. I love this guy. <laughs> she was already seeing somebody or something else. So I, if it hadn't been for that, I don't think I'd ever seen this guy. He would only come there because he was kept, kept with, you got me fixed up yet? Man, I, I'm trying. So, <laughs> well, I tell you right now. It's, I mean, I've heard a lot of stories of my eighty years. This is a classic. I'm sorry you had to go through what you went through, unfortunately. And well, um, I, I tell you, yeah. you know, you you have a good attitude for what you've been through. Uh, you don't seem bitter. 
Uh, I, you know, the people that did this, you expect that. The biggest problem I have with is with the judicial system. Uh, I've learned this. I don't know what it's like in some other state, but in Georgia, the judicial system's mission in life is to protect itself. Mm-hmm. That's what they do. They're not going to admit they're wrong if they don't have to. Well, now, most we, of them don't even want to. You know, it's it's all over. I mean, what they what they it's so corrupt, like you're saying. It's if you don't have the power or the money, you ain't getting out. Well, the uh to how I got the administrative pardon was this parole officer put in, first of all, for a commutation. I got that in uh, 1985, which meant I didn't have to report anymore. That didn't stop him from coming to the office wanting a date with the boss's daughter, but I didn't have to report. <laughs> <laughs> so then in 1990, uh, he put in for me a uh, administrative pardon. And, uh, of course, I had letters from the community and people that was sending the letters in for me. And administrative pardon, I got it. Then that gave me my citizenship back. Oh, wow. Could, That's great. Yeah, it is. I, I got that back in 1990. Then I said to my sister, we got we to gotta figure out some way to get this story out of what these people have done. I couldn't do anything while I was on a parole because they could set me up on anything and send me back. You know, mm-hmm. now I don't, I'm not under nothing anymore. I'm not under them. So well, the, good news, the good news is this, the the guy that's sitting underneath you on my frame, <laughs> you should talk to him, let him write a book for you. <laughs> you got a hell of a story. Yeah. I'm telling you. I would love to. We haven't I, even I, touched on it. Uh, touched on it all yet. What are you uh, What are you doing now? Well, uh, uh, now it, it's been a hurry up and wait. Uh, the city of Rome now, the Rome Area History Center, is filming me, uh, telling my stories. They got me a, a, a bar set up over the history center, and uh, it looks like a 1960s bar. So I'm paying tribute to Grace. Uh, I got a Slits beer clock that she drinks Slits. She smoked Winston cigarettes, and I got a Winston cigarette sign. And uh, <clears throat> she was known as the Mabel Black Label girl of Floyd County. There was a commercial in the 60s and 50s advertising Black Label beer, and uh, she was favored that actress. So I got those set up at the bar, and they uh their their cameraman he comes up and i have a gentleman john hershey a professor down at the college georgia highland college he interviews me and we got 17 films in the can i was just going to say you're doing a 10-hour miniseries now yeah <laughs> but they're going in the, yeah they're going in the archives well, uh, that's great that's good well, at least they'll know i'm around but they've got some of them are called uncensored with Mitchum. And that's when they asked me to take the gloves off. And, and I said, you mean you want to hear about down in the mud and the blood and the guts and beer? That's what they want to hear. So oh, yeah. That's, it. That's, what we're, that's what we're telling. So we got 17 in the can. Well, anyway, you got a big future in you anyway. Yeah, is, I, is this, is this uh, going to be a uh, documentary for release 
or is this like an archival thing for posterity? Yeah, they could probably use it for anything you want. Get me a couple of them. I'll get actor on television. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're they. That's the thing. They're just putting them. They're putting them in the archives. Uh, it's not. You know, I'd like to get the story out there some other way if I could, but uh, I'm sure there's a way. Oh, oh just, there we go. Oh, there we go. I thought he fell off the chair. I said, no, 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 not now. We got something for you. Well, can I tell you, can I tell you what happened after uh, we started working on? Sure. Yeah. Of course. This is your show, man. Go ahead. But I, I'm, I'm, wait a minute. I'm just, I'm just wondering. I think we're way into the second show. No, we're not. F 40 minutes. Oh, really? Okay, please. I'm yeah. glad we have extra time. Yeah. All right. So, uh, so my sister says, well, let's go to the, uh, let's go to the FBI. So I went to the FBI agent. So, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to the FBI. There's people chased me for a long time. So anyway, we go up there with that document of where the judge and the DA, uh, changed the sentence from uh, perjury to false swearing. And uh, they said when they did that, it became a conspiracy against me with the state. But they said the best thing you can do is get this back in the news and make a movie. I didn't know how to do I mean, How am I gonna do any one of those things? Because the wrong news people, they're, they're part of that good old boy system. They ain't gonna touch this. So we go to an Atlanta reporter and uh, he listened to my story. And he printed a small article, and it came out on August the 14th, 1994, the date that the murder happened. 94? Yeah. So it's already... It took me four years to get to that place. So I faxed that article all over the United States. I faxed it to 2020, Dateline, 60 Minutes. Inside Edition finally picked up on it. And a good buddy from New York City named Scott Scalarian worked for Inside Edition. He pushed the district attorney and pushed him and pushed him to uh, do something. In the meantime, though, I got to tell you this part. I wrote Robert Mitchell. I sent him a small letter, a short letter. And I said, I was told that this might make a movie or a miniseries or something. Uh, and if you're interested in it, uh, and if you want to play the meanest bastard of your career, I'd suggest the judge. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was too old by that time, 94. How old was he, Robert Mitchum? Well, he, he, he died a few years later, but he called me on June the 20th, 1994. Our pop would have been 90 had he lived. And my sister, who kept a record of everything, she wrote down the time and date. Talk to Robert Mitchum today. I can't remember what he said. I, I can't remember what I said, but uh, I asked him, would he speak with my sister? He was kind enough to do that. He was kind enough to take the time out of his day, call me and give me his agent's name and number in Los Angeles. And uh, we didn't know then what we know now uh, about the case that we could even do anything. But uh, he said he would be honored to be a part of it. That's so. I mean, that's an unbelievable story. I, uh, my sister went home. She was like a teenager again. I know this may sound crazy, but I get in my car and I ride downtown 
and I just go by the courthouse and I say, how many of you bastards has Robert Mitchum called today? (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Hey, you got to find peace wherever you can. (laughs) Right. Well, Mitchum, thank you so much for, for joining us. It's so great to hear your story and to listen to you again. Tell Linda, hi. Um, we we'll we'll, we'll get back. in touch with you. I got my wheels are spinning. We'll get in touch with you. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. We appreciate yeah, it. Have a good night, buddy. Okay. Well, th- thank you, Jeannie. This thank was you. a great show. I mean, we have to give your producers credit on this one. Yeah, well, I- uh, you know what? It was, it just reminded me so much. I mean, you both were, you know, moving in and shaking at very young age. Yeah, I, I mean, think, I, thank I God I was it. never punished the way he was. I mean, I right. got to live in the South. Hello. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah we didn't South. make it to how uh, we didn't make it to the how all this got in the news, but with the we'll save that for when we talk about your book. Your book. Yeah. Oh, book, there you go. And your there TV you show coming out, and we'll have all this another show. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, we'll see where this goes. Who knows? Uh, all right. So uh, we'd like to thank you once again for being on the show. I enjoyed and, uh, it. I, I, thank I, you. I think we're going to be in touch with you. I appreciate it. Jeannie, okay. good night, my love. To okay. our audience, good night. Be careful till next week. Pat, love you. Talk to you every day. Okay, Bye. buddy. Oh, nice. Thank you. Bye. Bye. that but i'll be back thank you for tuning in to the hollywood godfather podcast do you have a question for the mailbag we love hearing from our fans and answering questions about past or future episodes your favorite celebrities or anything you'd like to know submit your questions online at hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com or you can call us at 646-776-3038 and leave us a message. Who knows, your question may even make it on the air. Remember to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hollywood Godfather and at Real Gianni Russo. If you like our show and you like what we're doing, please leave us a review on your podcast or video streaming service. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Now we'll be back next week with a new exciting show and who knows who may be joining us. Until next time. never get too old to have a little fun. Come on, I'm Gianni Russo. A genuine one of a kind. What a ride it's been, this life of mine. And I ain't done yet. I'll be back until next time. And that was that.